Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Bonley tried to save. Durant was there. He needed the open floor. That crossover, that length, that finish. Oh, Stephen Curry! That's the play of the night! Through the Wizards, reverse, hang, and spin it Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast, episode 198. Uh, we're ticking ever closer to the big 200. Um, I'm Mike Miller. Once again, I'm joined by Joe Holbert. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Um, yeah, good, thank you. You? Yeah, not bad. Baseball season started, which is great, although you two won't agree with that. No, I don't <laughs> talk to you about baseball. <laughs> I, I went to one game once and spent about seven hours chatting to people behind me, and I'm not sure, really sure what happened. Um that was when Barry Bonds played, so that's a dark era for baseball, I believe. Uh, <laughs> and and Matt Wellington, hello. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a baseball guy either. Like I, I attempted to follow the the Dodgers at one stage, but then I was just like, I, I can't get into this. It's really really annoying as well because the the MLB guys produce a really stunning PlayStation game that looks incredible. They do, it. yeah, uh, and. It's just like it's baseball, though. <laughs> yeah, I did see your tweet about it, and I tried to watch that video. And about thirty seconds into, it, I went, "No, <laughs> no, no, sorry." But anyway, that's enough baseball for Here's this your MLB pod. podcast. <laughs> uh, we've got a bit of a fun one in store for you today. Well, he's, he, I've set it up now, so now it won't be fun at all, and it'll just be people ranting at each other. It's always a fun um, one, isn't it? But before we get started, just uh, if you don't already, follow us on Twitter at Double Clutch UK and you can find us on Facebook also at Double Clutch UK. We're very inventive like that. Um, and if you haven't already, go and uh, give us a review on iTunes. It means the world to us. We had one this week from Space Jam 11 entitled Boom Shakalaka. Uh, you know it's good when you're sitting in your motor listening even though you arrived 30 minutes ago. Fantastic podcast hosted by knowledgeable British NBA fans who are passionate about the greatest sport in the world. Awesome. Thank you. Great review. Uh, if anyone else thinks they can beat that, go for it. We'll, uh, we'll we'll be very interested to see how how you do and what you think of the show. Um, but let's jump straight into it. The biggest news of the past couple of days is Kevin Durant is penciled in to return against the Pelicans. So he obviously went out with a, a sprained MCL. The Dubs have just been on an eleven game win streak. He'll be returning in game eighty with three games to go. Joe, how bigger impacts this going to have on uh, on the Dubs? Well, first of all. <laughs> Poor old New Orleans, because they're going to get absolutely destroyed by uh, Kevin Durant on his return, I think. To be honest, they've played pretty well without him. Um, Steph Curry is really, not that he needed to step up his game, but he's he has done it anyway. But Durant is just, I think, you know, I think he's the best player in the league. And if he's not, he's second or third. He's obviously going to have a huge boost and perfect time. I think it's important that he gets a couple of end of season games in before the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. It's good to have a, some reps under his belt. Um, Matt, is there any risk that he uh, disrupts this win streak flow? He, he well, yeah, he, he could he could do. I mean, they brought Matt Barnes in to replace him, who's fitted in, but even that took a a week or so to sort of gel. But the one thing you have to look at with the Warriors is if you you keep Kevin Durant off the team in general, then I still think they'd be the number one seed in the Western Conference. Now, whether they'd win the NBA Finals without Kevin Durant. Is a different question, but once you put Durant back into that that lineup, who before he went out injured was averaging twenty five points a game, eight rebounds, five assists, like he was playing MVP level basketball, 
it changes everything and it makes them it pretty much makes them a lock for that finals spot so yes there is obviously a risk that he could disrupt them but I think they're getting him back in early when it doesn't really matter like they can lose in the next couple of games it isn't it isn't really going to bother them San Antonio are probably going to start resting a few players just before the end of the season um, so I think the seeds are fairly well locked up as they are at the moment and um, but yeah I, I generally think that it it could cause problems, but it, but I don't think it will. I think Durant will just settle back in. And there's news today that people come out and they're slagging off Steph Curry because he's had a drop in performance. And Steph's like quite quick and witty with his comeback, and he's like, "Well, what? I'm averaging five less points than I was last season." It's like, well, he's here for the moments, and we've seen them in the last few weeks. And Draymond Green was incredible last night, another triple double. Um, so that you know, the Warriors have still got their big three effectively, even without Kevin Durant. What I find incredible is, is people are, are ripping him for his underperformance, and yet he's still made three hundred threes already this year. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, <laughs> it's a bit down on last year's four hundred, but still three hundred two years ago was almost unheard of, and it's just yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. But enough about that because that's not what we're here to sort of talk about today, really. But it does give us a nice segue into a conversation on MVPs. Um, so if you've been following us online, you'll see that a lot of tweets have been going out recently and then we had a small discussion about it last week about who is the MVP or who should be the MVP and we thought we'd get into it in a bit more detail. Um, so how are we going to do this? Because I know that we're all going to sort of talk about a different person. Let's uh, let's let's go with Matt first because I know that you are, you're quite vocal for James Harden. <laughs> And you've been uh, you've been sort of pumping him up online and with a couple of posts recently. Yeah, no, this whole conversation and I and, and I everyone's gonna be like, it's not original. Everyone, every other podcast on the planet's doing it, but for us to sit here and kind of discuss and debate a topic a detail is is a bit rare because we don't tend to want to be like you know first take or something like that in the in the states because it, I don't know, it's just the opposite of what I think a a sports podcast should be, but um. Yeah, no, I got into a debate with a guy on the NBA UK Facebook feed the other day who had commented on a Russell... No, it was a BBC post, sorry, BBC Facebook page, and they posted about Russell Westbrook, and it was like, he's got a triple-double, and I commented and put, it should be, you know, Russell Westbrook's got a triple-double again, because the BBC tend to overlook um, everything that's going on with the NBA. They just sort of highlight the, the marquee moments, and that's a clear and obvious point of what they've done. Um, but this guy was like, he's the he, he's the runaway MVP, and that really annoyed me because I don't know whether he's, a, a, you know, an enthusiast fan or just a guy who's just got BBC Sport in his thing and has seen Russell Westbrook like six times this season. Um, <laughs> and I started debating it with him in quite lengthy comments, which I was posting in the Double Clutch WhatsApp group, which we've got, and everyone was getting involved, and it just sort of sparked the debate. And it was like, right, maybe we can. Um, we, we can talk about this because certainly the last week or the last two weeks, I have to say, I think it's become a lot less clear. Um, it, it is incredibly cloudy, but for a long while, I think many of us here would have said it was James Harden, but it's um, it has got a bit cloudy the last few weeks with the, with the way that Russell Westbrook's playing. I think there are only two guys in it now, and I know Joe's going to speak about... Um, I've had a mind blank... Westbrook. Westbrook. Westbrook, sorry. <laughs> just speaking about Westbrook, too busy ranting on. Um, uh, but I, they've, they've both put together such incredible seasons, and I just wanted to point out before I start rambling on that um, it, it has become incredibly cloudy the recent week. But like my argument for James Harden would be very similar to a lot of other NBA fans around the league who've watched the Houston Rockets overachieve this season, become an all-time great offense, 
Uh, it's been incredible, and I'd, I'd split it into several categories. I've got a couple of notes that I've written down. Say a couple of notes, like three pages. I'm never going to get through all of it, but um, my, my biggest, <laughs> yeah, my biggest bullet point would be just like he, James Harden, this season has become the NBA's most productive playmaker for both the like the Houston Rockets team and the franchise because Daryl Murray entrusted in James Harden as the guy removed Dwight Howard last season. Uh, and they let's face it, they underachieved last year. They should have been a lot better than they were. And this year, they've completely overachieved in a way that I don't think anybody saw coming. I mean, if you go and look at the betting odds at the start of the season for both the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder, they were both fairly similar. Um, like the Las Vegas betting odds had them at forty-four wins or forty-three and forty-three point five, and they were practically identical. And James Harden's player this season has completely. I think at least cleared him from the pack until the last few weeks where it's become, you know, you, you can take triple doubles into account, but we'll have to get onto that big triple double debate later because, you know, is it becoming something that we shouldn't really be that fussed about? Um, but, but that's something we can get onto later. But James Harden, you know, would have a valid MVP case on just his scoring alone. Like he's averaging 29 points. Um, he's shooting 85.2% from the field. Uh, from free throws, sorry, he's averaging 33 on threes, 44 um, from field goals. Uh, he's just had an incredible season, but not only has he become, you know, this absolute offensive monster, but he's become a confident passer and a sort of pass and roll, uh, pick and roll, sorry, um, maestro this year under Mike D'Antoni, who came in and has obviously changed the system around completely from what Kevin McHale was running last season. And um, yeah, his, his assist total, I think I mentioned it last week, has just gone through the roof like it's 11.3 assists per game this year when last year it was seven point uh sorry last season 7.5 and the year before it was seven um i just think that's incredible it it places him top five all time among mvps just topping out michael magic johnson steve nash he is a clear front runner in that category and he he he's even how his his general play is just helping his teammates play better because 27.5 points are generated by assists which leads the league and he's just helping his team out so much, but I I I don't want to go keep going and going because I think it's probably a case of punch counter punch here. So I'm going to let Joe say something. <laughs> well, I think his um, <clears throat> I think his assist numbers are going up because there's always people on the perimeter for him. Whereas compared to Westbrook, there's no perimeter shooters on that team at all. I I don't even know who's their best perimeter shooter. Maybe Oladipo. Oladipo's not a good perimeter shooter. He's kind of like one of those old-fashioned two guards. So Westbrook is essentially getting assists in a very poorly constructed roster. Whereas James Harden, I, I, I this is a bit of a take here, but if you it, let's <laughs> say takes. if he gets injured, Mike D'Antoni can still run that offense. And look, it's not going to be as good, but they're still going to have a good offense with the players they've got. If you take Westbrook out of that Oklahoma City team, they genuinely might be worse than the Phoenix Suns because where's the offense coming from then? And then I feel harsh saying that because you can't mark Harden down for his supporting cast. But I wouldn't say I'm marking him down. I'd say I'm more marking Westbrook up because he doesn't have a supporting cast. You know, people are probably going to get a stick for this podcast. People say, oh, what about Steve Adams and... and um, God, who else they got? Canter. Enes Cancer, that's the one. But they're not—they're not great players, if in my opinion, and certainly not offensively. So, 
I think what Westbrook has done is ridiculous. I mean, he's going to average a triple-double, and I, I don't think people talk about it enough. I think it's kind of become the edgy thing to go, you know, he's stat stuffing. I know none of you think that, but I, I don't even know what that means. Like, if stat stuffing was so easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, remember the... I was just going to say, do you remember the stick last year that Sam Whiteside got for, for stat stuffing? Yeah, um, yeah. Pe- people just don't like it when people go after numbers and I'm saying that very visually with my uh, air quotes um, what, what's interesting is is, and I'm going to throw a real spanner in the works here why are we discounting defense this isn't the NFL it's a two way game why, why are we we're talking about these historic numbers that they're putting up they're all offensive figures why isn't Kawhi Leonard getting more love in this conversation well, yeah, that's what I don't get, and I've put in this, I've, uh, like in my notes, I put that these two players, Harden and Westbrook, at the moment, the way they're playing, the performances they're playing, the amount of triple doubles they're both getting, they're a product of the league at the moment, like the way the league is. You you couldn't get this many points, this many rebounds, this many assists, this many steals in the sixties and the seventies, and arguably the eighties. Like Michael Jordan put together a run to pull the Bulls back into a playoff race during the late eighties, and obviously Oscar Robinson had an incredible season when he did it I think it was 62 or, or, or somewhere during the 60s and, and the, the game has evolved since then we've had the three-point line the three-point lines expanded and it's become a perimeter orientated game and the one thing I hold against everybody this year is the fact that there is no dominant center in the league anymore like there's nobody in in the paint on no matter where, who you play each night who's going to be like right you are not you know scoring inside this game whereas you go back to the 90s or the 80s, or any time before that, and there would have been somebody there. I just think the way the game has evolved has enabled these two to play the way they play, and obviously it's enabled more and more players to to get triple doubles. I mean, I did a little bit of research. I went back to 1999-2000, and Kevin Garnett led the league with triple doubles. Do you guess how many he had? Two. Four. Six. Oh, oh, sorry. Two. Yeah, no, he, no, KG had two. There was four players who, in, in overall who had triple-doubles that season. Now, I took it back to last year and this year. There was 24 players in the league who had triple-doubles last season, and there's 22 currently this season. Uh, Draymond Green got another one last night, as I mentioned earlier. And I just think that's a phenomenal change, and that's, what, 16, 17 years difference. Uh, so that shows you how the game is evolving and the way that the three-point shot has become so dominant. And that's allowing players to get more rebounds because there's obviously more missed shots. And the way that teams are playing defense these days means that sometimes you don't guard anyone. Russell Westbrook hasn't been guarding anyone on the perimeter this season. That's why he's been able to get in the paint and grab so many rebounds. And people are like, oh, but he's, you know, stat, stat padding or whatever they want to call it. He's not. He's just not guarding, a, you know, if he doesn't guard someone, then he's going to be, he's going to do the secondary job, which would be to fall back and grab that rebound. Uh, and I, I don't know where that argument comes from. I mean, there's loads of videos, usually Lakers websites, I have to say, um, <laughs> posting videos about stat padding and things like that. But um, no, I, it, the league has is, is completely changed. And I, I really think we are overlooking someone like, or even, I don't know, Rudy Gobert's had an incredible season defensively, but you wouldn't even consider him in the MVP race. I think the triple-double conversation is really interesting. I, I wrote a piece... February time about how uh, how Westbrook is overshadowing uh, Oscar Robertson's what was it 61 62 I can't remember off the top of my head something like that uh, in, in terms of that was the, the only other season where a triple double's been averaged and if you look at the, the stats it's it's quite impressive that Westbrook's been able to do this playing a lot less minutes I think well Westbrook's averaging 
thirty something. I can't even remember exactly what it is. Whereas uh, Oscar Robertson was in the forties almost. Um, and per thirty six, it's like Westbrook's ruining him. And how much I wonder is is the benefit of the three being an additional point, or um, although Westbrook doesn't shoot an, an inordinate amount of those. The other bit was just the general approach to assists. I mean, back back in those days, an assist was literally you didn't even have a dribble. It was you had the ball and immediately scored, or received the ball and immediately <laughs> scored. And, and now it's like you can we pass the ball from the front court, an outlet pass over the half court, three dribbles and a, a pump fake later, and it's still an assist. So I, I wonder how much of that's relaxing it. Um, but it's still a fantastic achievement. Uh, but the biggest thing to me that's that's doing it for these two guys and is putting them at the forefront. And you mentioned about how you know they're the distributors and the scorers and things like that. It's the usage rates that are just phenomenal. It's 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 ridiculous. I mean, the usage rate for Harden at the minute is thirty four point three percent. So that's the percentage of possessions he is in charge of when he's on the floor. Essentially, uh, for Westbrook, it's forty one point nine. That forty one point nine isn't just the highest this season. It's the highest ever. Like the closest one to it is, is your boy Kobe in 05-06, 38.74. Then it's Russ again, uh, 14-15. And then you're going back to like Jordan in the 80s. This this is just a ridiculous amount of traffic that is going through Westbrook. So half of me thinks, yeah, he is playing phenomenal. And, and I mean no disrespect to any of the players we mentioned because they are just ridiculous. But how much of his MVP campaign is just the fact that he has had a, more opportunity with the ball in his hands? But he's but he's doing it officially. It's not like he's you know just charging into the paint like a nutter. I mean, you look, oh, yeah. I'm lo- I'm looking at the usage rates now, and you look at Brook Lopez down at 14. Brook Lopez, I think, as far as I can see, is the only player in the top 15 of usage with a negative net rating. So Westbrook is playing officially, and his defense. I I see what you're saying, but. I think we've got to be careful. He's not a good defender, but he we, we can't talk about him like he's Isaiah Thomas. You know, Isaiah, <laughs> I, I think I could score some points on Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> you know, I mean, Westbrook is... And this is the thing. I remember Tom Thibodeau talking about it. This, uh, this was with Carl Anthony Towns, but someone said to him, we don't use Towns as the interior protector. And Thib said, well, you don't want your best player getting battered and bruised. You don't want him doing everything on defense because it's going to tire them out at the other end. So, you know, if Westbrook was marking perimeter players, I don't uh, the best player on the other team, I don't know if he could or couldn't do it. But you wouldn't want him to anyway because that's that's not the point of your best player. You just run them down by doing that. That's one of the reasons why Paul George wants out of Indiana because he's expected to do everything at both ends. It's, you know, I, I think that's just because of the high-powered offense, players are saving themselves now and their coaches are saving them. And I think it's difficult to look at that and kind of, you know, use it as a critique in a way. So if that's the case, and I, you know, I accept the point, um, then how, how can someone like Kawhi Leonard be elite on both ends of the floor? Because and I, I understand that, yeah, he doesn't have the same offensive responsibility as in he doesn't have to run it the way that Westbrook and Harden do because the Spurs don't run a a uh, you know they're a much more ball sharing not an individual ISO too much type of team but to me Ka- Kawhi can do it on both ends so why can't other players I just that's what I don't understand why is it we're just fascinated with these offensive stats well Westbrook is that Westbrook is in charge of pretty much every single possession in some way, whereas Kawhi is not. 
You know, Kawhi's got Aldridge, who takes up quite a lot of usage as well. He's got Patty Mills, who can run an offense. I just think, I think that's just the nature of the rosters. I mean, that's that's why people think he's padding as well, because you'll see like uh, the ball will bounce off the rim, and guess who gets the ball? It'll be Russell Westbrook, and that obviously gives him a rebound. And then he'll go up, he'll go up court, and he'll either score or he'll or he'll make the assist. And that's where that padding argument comes from, is the fact. But but you have that up against Kawhi Leonard, who is the product of a system which has been embedded by Popovich for like the last seventeen years, eighteen years, and he he has his place on the floor. And he just fits it. And you've got a decline in Tony Parker, which means he has to do a little bit more than he used to do. But that San Antonio team is so well drilled. That's why the, this whole... The, it's, it's a bit off topic, but like the last few weeks, people have been going on about Derek Rose going there. It's like, Derek Rose could go there, but whether he'd buy into that system is a completely different question. If he did buy into that system, he'd be incredible. But I think he's shown over the last few years, certainly, that he's probably not willing to adapt. And it becomes the, the case of a coach, a player, a team, the whole thing has to work and that's what that's why I would argue that that James Harden's having a better season because he's just completely changed the Houston Rockets as a whole. They are one of the all time greatest offences. They're up there with the twenty seventeen Warriors and the two thousand ten Rockets. They're number two overall. The the Thunder are ranked fifteenth in, in offensive efficiency. Uh, they're just they're so, they're so good on the ball and every night you watch the Houston Rockets they are so fun to watch I mentioned it last week but I watched um, the Houston Rockets played the New York Knicks earlier on in the season and James Harden put together the most perfect basketballing performance I've ever seen now I'm too young to have watched Michael Jordan live like any Michael Jordan footage I've ever watched has been on VHS or on YouTube um, but that performance against the Knicks I know the Knicks aren't very good but it was incredible and, and it, I think the the race for this MVP is going to come down to splitting up like individual achievements and team achievements because if your team is achieving a lot, then surely you're the the most valuable player. But then you've got the individual achievements on top. So you've got Russ going for his his triple double crown, and then you've got everything that James Harden's done. Like James Harden hasn't had a bad season triple doubles wise. He's had twenty. That ties him eight full time with Oscar Robertson. Uh, and that's a great figure alone, especially when you go and look at what I said earlier about how many players are averaging or how many players are achieving triple doubles now compared to like the, the nineteen ninety nine season. But two of them have been fifty point plus uh, fifty plus games. Seven of them have been forty plus games, which broke Oscar's mark for forty point triple doubles in a season. Not sure Russ, but I think Russ might have broken that recently, but I, I could be wrong. And then Harden's like, you just look at the categories, go and look at the NBA stats website and just look for the Houston Rockets or James Harden. His name is everywhere in the top five. He's third in three-pointers made behind Clay and Curry. And he leads the league in double-doubles. He's had 60, he's two above Westbrook at the moment. And his team are scoring something like 27.4 points off his assists, which is a huge figure. And he's just... I don't know, he's completely redefined the way he plays from the guy who we saw in Oklahoma who was just a stand-on who came on and scored and then went off for a few minutes to the guy who went to Houston and Daryl Morey and trusted to be the superstar of a franchise who struggled with it for a few years, was putting up points but wasn't really helping his team out and he's now become this... like He's a point god, effectively. Like He's doing everything you need to do. He's playing at a level, a level that sort of Steve Nash would be amazed at because... James Harden is a completely different physical specimen from what Steve Nash was. Steve Nash would have thrived in this era in the NBA. He'd have absolutely loved it. But like the league now is full of so many dominant point guards and shooting guards that I just think 
what these two in general are doing, you can't discredit it. But I think that Harden's put so much together with regards to the way his team are playing. I think they're nine wins above the Oklahoma City Thunder at the moment, and they're way above what they were predicted. They were they're according to Las Vegas, they're thirteen wins above what most sort of NBA websites and professionals put them down as. So thirteen wins more compared to the Thunder's three. A lot of a lot of sites, ESPN, etc., they thought the Thunder would be okay. Like they generally thought they'd be a, a fairly good team. Nobody thought the Rockets were going to be a good team. I don't care if you can bring the roster debate into it. Like the roster debate doesn't mean anything because you've got obviously a team that's built around shooting with regards to Houston. But then you've got a team that was, you know, in, in the Western Conference Finals last season and has only lost one player and added a few more and you know, I the debate is it could go either way, but I James Harden for me is still just an inch ahead. I mean, Westbrook's got to get that triple double record for him to even be in a conversation. I think. I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm I looking at I like to look at on-off stats. So I assume you two know what they are. You both. So Jet. So what, Russell Westbrook? You take him off the court and the Thunder are eight points worse off per 100 possessions. You take James Harden off. 6.3 or something? Um, I think offensively they're a lot worse, but defensively they improve by five points when Harden's yeah, on yeah. the bench. So that kind of <laughs> that kind of cancels each other. And look, I, I'm not one of these people who sits on basketball reference going, player X is player, better than player Y yeah. because he's higher in this stat. But I'm yeah. using it to support my point that I think if you take Westbrook out of the Thunder... They are an utter disaster. Like they are, they're awful. I mean, even with him, they're not that great. I because they're quite easy to shut down because of the lack of supporting cast. But you take him off, they're so bad. And but in fairness, that's kind of me contradicting myself because earlier I said I'm not going to mark Harden down for his supporting cast. So it's a really tough one. And and I, like in my opinion, Harden was robbed two years ago. If yep, I think if. If Harden loses this year, I don't think anyone could say he's been robbed because but it's a lot it's a lot closer, I think. But that's where his argument changes again because when Steph Curry won it two years ago over James Harden, he won it because the Warriors had set winning records and they were winning a hell of a lot more games than the Houston Rockets. It, that's going to it's going to come down to that again this year, I reckon. I reckon if there's anything that's going to push it, it's going to be that simple fact that I just mentioned a minute ago that the, the Houston Rockets have won nine more games than the Oklahoma City Thunder because in America everything's about winning like draws ties they don't exist in American sports so the fact that he's won more games I think could be the thing that pushes him over the edge the fact that he's the most productive playmaker of all of like the everyone in the league he's just league leading which is a phenomenal change from the way it was last year he's made his game look easy this year and he's completely reverberated and turned Mike D'Antoni's career around like everyone thought he was a waster before now and everyone's like oh hang on a minute look Mike D'Antoni can actually coach and yeah we all knew that in the first place but he had a couple of bad years with the Lakers and his, the way James Harden's fitted into this team and the way the signings they've made with Lou Williams Ryan Anderson guys like that he's completely re, you know rejuvenated those guys because Ryan Anderson nobody really cared about uh, and you, you just, Eric Gordon no one cared about there's just guys on that team no one cared about <laughs> Yeah, I, for me though, that's that's not James Harden. That's that's he's uh, a product Darryl of the Maury. system. That's Daryl Morey who's, who's pulled this guy in. He said, "How can what can I do to make Harden be successful? I'll Bring give him, him this Howard. coach." This is 
He got yeah that 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 failed. It looked as though it was going to work. It failed, but look, and last year he he was you know people were genuinely saying, oh, is the is the Maury effect done, dusted? Should he go? And he didn't, and he's pulled together this f- fantastic product, and he he's built. He just happens to pick up D'Antoni, who is a, a for want of a better word, a one trick pony. To, to just come in and say, look, James, you take the ball. We're sorry. We should never put a second sort of star with you. Everything's going to go through you. It, it's it's the it's a perfect storm essentially. And but that's I don't think that's James Harden having that impact. I think that's the impact that Daryl Morey's created. The environment Daryl Morey's created is having on Harden. I don't think it's the other way around. And but of course, it's one of those things that you're never going to prove our way. So. It almost becomes a moot point. He's making those players better, though, because Ryan Anderson was a dead doorstop at the start, like, like the end of last season, and Eric Gordon looked like he was ready to retire, and now he's one of the best three-point shooting guys in the league. And then you've had guys like Clint Capella, who've obviously stepped up from behind Dwight Howard's shadow and have had fabulous seasons. Patrick Beverly still fits in there, still does exactly the opposite of James Harden, which is why they work so well together. And he was out for most of the start of the season. So the fact that they are playing as well as they are, I think a lot of it has to go down to the way James Harden's just completely changes his game. I mean, he averages 66 passes a game, which is the third highest in the league, behind uh, a certain point guard in Minnesota, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But James Harden's like one of the only top fo- sort of top 10 players in that top five passes per game stat, which is a brand new stat. It's like four years old or something stupid. So they're statting everything now. It's generally ridiculous. That's the thing I was... I mean, another debate I'm sure we'll have soon is coach of the year. I don't know if that will be quite as uh, quite as intense, but the point I made to a guy on Twitter was who, because I'm not a believer Mike D'Antoni should be anywhere near coach of the year. You know, if he if I do my ballot, he's not even going to be on the top five. So I, I made the point that it doesn't matter if Mike D'Antoni is the coach there or, you know, they bring like George Carl out of retirement. They're They're running that system, whoever's the coach. And I kind of apply that logic to Harden. He obviously is important, but I think if they got someone like, I don't know, Jeff Teague to go in and run that offense, I think honestly they'd be a similarly... They probably wouldn't be as dumb as they are, but they'd still be a playoff team. Whereas if you put Jeff Teague in for Russell Westbrook, there's they're nowhere near a playoff team. Not even close. Really? You think Jeff Teague could fill for James Harden? Obviously they wouldn't be anywhere near as good, but this is my point again about this about what he's surrounded by, you know, I'm, and but that's my philosophy of looking. I, you know, you guys know by now the way I look at basketball. I look at guys who, who maximize a very limited group of players. And that's what I see when I look at Russell Westbrook, which is why I'm so enamored by him. It's just how the is, way I vote. It's just the way I vote. How has this Thunder team gone from being a Western Conference Finals contender? You know, they lose one guy and everyone's like, they're absolute dog tribe. Like, well, okay. It, it, I mean, they lost a first ballot Hall of Famer, though. I mean, he, you know, he is that good. Well, of course it, they did, but they went. They've made out. They've gone out and made some good trades. Like Sam Presti's gone out and grabbed Taj Gibson, who I will admit was not great the other night. I think he added like four points, which is really helpful when you're trying to push for the playoffs. And then Doug McDermott, who's the shooter, what they needed, who's who's come in, which was a bit of an odd one because I thought he was then sort of picking up his career in um, Chicago, but he's he's moved on and obviously has been okay. Uh, Oklahoma, but like, I, I gen- the, like the start of the year when I was looking at the rosters, I just looked at the Rockets and was like, "What on earth have they?" Like James Harden's a top ten player, but what else have they got? Like Eric Gordon's dead, <laughs> Brian Anderson's dead. Like half this team is, is is gone. You know, Corey Brewer's on this team for God's sake. They shipped him off to the Lakers. That says everything you need to know. And 
I looked at the Thunder and was like, oh, they've still got Steven Adams, pretty good player. They've still got Kanter. is a phenomenally talented player on the offensive end. He's not so great on the defensive end. Victor Oladipo was a kind of nice pickup. Andre Robeson's a really good defender. Russell Westbrook's an absolute beast. And then they had some good players coming off the bench like Cameron Payne and stuff, who I really quite, I rate quite highly for considering how young he is. I, I think the roster debate is just, you know, it's, it is going to be personal opinion at the end of the day, but I don't think there was really anything to separate them as, the bookies said at the start of the year, they both sort of had similar win prediction records and then James Harden and the Rockets just went and blew it way above everyone's expectations. Well, I don't think we're going to settle it, that's for sure. You're never um, going to settle on a, it. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, how how frustrating must it frustrating must it be for Thunder fans who had a shot at having Westbrook, Harden and Durant on the same team and it's all basically gone from being borderline champions to now being... Yeah, middle of the conference. There's no way Russ is averaging a triple double with Durant on that team. No, absolutely not. not. There's, there's not no a way that Harden's going to be doing what he did if he was still in in, in OKC. The opportunities are different. Um, it, but it's I just think it's crazy that you've got two guys in the MVP conversation, and then you had a third guy who who won an MVP for them, and all three of them were pretty much the backbone for that team. That's just it is it's the greatest team that never was essentially. For me, like, there's no way. Like, the the I mentioned that how how this debate has changed the last two weeks because of the, before the last two weeks, it, I think it was incredibly clear to everyone who watched basketball who the MVP was. I don't care about your triple doubles, like your general overall play. It was James Harden, but that performance against the Orlando Magic the other night, which one of my mates was actually lucky enough to be at, um, by Russell Westbrook, was incredible. Clutch three to tie the game at the end of it. They obviously went on won that one, pushes them right into the midst of the playoffs. And then you, he's got a chance of getting this this record, which has stood for what fifty odd years, forty odd years. It's it's an incredible feat. And the, and then you've got to counter the fact that James Harden's not played like he's missed his first game against the Suns the other night, which is the first game he's missed in three seasons, I think, which is an incredible um, stat. And he's not been good. He's been shooting thirty four percent, sixteen point one on threes. And he's had six turnovers, and the, he's he's gonna he's gonna set a new NBA record for the most turnovers in a season this year, which is another thing that you have to hold against him. But the Rockets have won in three the last four games, so obviously with him sitting and kind of resting, like his case is almost done. Whereas Westbrook seems to still have a little bit of a you know I'm gonna go out and get this, and I think it is in, it's probably in Westbrook's hands, but I think Harden's case is still incredibly sort of in his favour. <laughs> I, I I can't even like I'm I'm just sat here like we're, we're going around in circles and I know we're, like I say we're never going to LeBron say James I, everybody I, I'm, <laughs> well LeBron was my pick at the start of the year I thought that people would have got over the whole voter fatigue and he's he's another guy who's who's having a good season um, when I do we think still... the center's going to win the MVP well we were saying like <laughs> a few months ago there's there's a crux of of young big man talent. Yeah, like cat. Yeah, so we've got now got big guys who seem to be able to do it all. I I heard, and this is way you know outside the realms of actually being plausible, but people (laughs) were floating uh, Jokic as as being an MVP contender. But no, you can't be an MVP contender on a team that's border, you know, pushing for a playoff. It's just no, no. It's also a turnstile, like. Like I know I've I've slagged that off earlier as well, but like <laughs> you have to you have to play at worst below average defense. He is lit- he's literally he is a broken turnstile. Like people are just walking through him. He's like 
He's like a slice of Swiss cheese. Probably <laughs> that's get... what James Harden is. Yeah, that's true. But but then again, you know, at least Harden's quite mobile. Jokic just just kind of like lumbers around the court. Great great player to watch, but I could never vote for a guy like that as MVP. Yeah, I think we should bring the MVP debate back to the first performances of a regular season from each of the guys. Because if you go back and you look at James Harden against the Lakers, which is one of the ones I stayed up to watch. Like, you I think can he, tell you wrote a serious amount of notes. No, no he, like, he had like 27 <laughs> assists in that game or something. And everyone was like, holy crap, but they still lost. So, And that's all that matters. It, it's all about winning in the States. And yeah, like, you know. Which is not, which argues for Mike saying, why isn't it Kawhi? Like, Kawhi has played incredible defense, incredible offense, and his team are, what, second best team in the Western Conference, got a real chance of winning the NBA Finals. <laughs> See, this is, and, and this, this is part of it for me. It's just like, this is a team that's not built to propel him into the limelight. No, is it because they're too has. good? <laughs> and it, well, and this is a team, though, with people like Aldridge and Pau Gasol, who are, to, to quote, quote Joe Swiss cheese <laughs> and Tony Parker who is the cheddar could probably move quicker if he was on a mobility scooter it's just like come on now it this this is the best defense in the league and it's it's him leading the way you've got sure you've got Dwayne Dedman as well you've got uh what's his name Danny Green but dead Deadman is is a dead man on offense, and and Green is just not the Green it was two years ago. Whereas Kawhi is elite on both levels, and you can put if you look at the advanced stats, there was a period where they were worse off with him on the floor defensively. And it's and you know if you look at it, oh no, well maybe he's not that good. But if if you watch the video, it's because whoever he was guarding went and stood as far away from the hoop in the corner as possible, and just removed himself from the play. That, that like an entire offense was just. I mean, this is this is almost like a Sacramento Kings play where they only want four on offense because whoever's being picked up by uh, by Leonard just can just just go, mate. You're not needed. We, we'd rather take on four people than than have Kawhi anywhere near uh, the play. It's it's just it's just phenomenal to me what this guy can do on both ends of the floor. He should also like get that. extra credit because he plays the small forward position, right? So he has to play against oh a guy called LeBron James. And a guy called Kevin Durant, like he has to directly go up against them and compete and guard Jimmy Butler and Paul George. Like that is an incredibly talented position in the NBA at the moment, and he has to play good defense against those those three I mentioned because those three are going to score. Like you know, and I think that adds a whole different aspect to his game is the fact that he has to go out there and he has to guard the best players every night. Whereas you know James Harden's not necessarily guarding the best player on the other team, or Russ might be, but it depends on what mood Russ is in. Because Russ might be like, "Oh, you're shooting a three. I'm not going to bother guarding you. I'm going to stand at the rim and grab another rebound." See, I think a lot of it as well is is the narrative that comes with it. Yeah, like the Spurs are, you know, they're not they're too good to have an MVP team. on. Well, and the, and the fact they're not the sort of market that everyone goes, oh my god, I'm so excited the Spurs are playing. Unless you actually really like watching <laughs> and twenty five passes in in twenty four. So I, I love watching them, and that's probably a, a, a sign of where of, of like how exciting I am as a person. No but, one um, plays as a Spurs <laughs> in NBA two K online, like generally. But no one plays as a Spurs. Ex- exactly. But if you if you look at the Thunder, you've got the revenge story all season. If you look at Harden, you've got the fact he was snubbed two years ago, um, and he's now putting together uh, an explosive offensive season it's these all like get clicks whereas you get a guy who is <laughs> he's so emotionless you know it's a little <laughs> bit worrying 
and there's not a story you can sell that. It was who was it the other day? Was it oh, yeah? They beat OKC when he uh, he scored the layup at the end and won on and um, was fouled. And most like, all his teammates were jumping in there, pumping in their arms and stuff. And he was just like emotionless. Just yeah, it, it was uh, it was crazy. He but, was the same against Houston when he blocked James Harden and then went up and scored. It was like okay, no, sorry, scored and then went up and blocked James Harden. It was like you know no emotion. And uh, Greg Popovich, there was an interview of him earlier talking about. When they made the trade for from obviously to, to acquire him from Indiana for George Hill, and he was like, they were you know we're gonna have to bleep this, but shit in bricks because they generally didn't know what they were gonna get from this. Like Hill was a good productive guy at the time, and they went for a complete enigma who had really big hands. <laughs> like that was literally all they'd figured out about him, and he was being really sarcastic in the interview because they were asking him, you know. Did you expect him to be this good? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, we knew he'd be this good. We knew he'd be great on the defensive end and we knew he'd be great on the offensive end and we knew he was going to do this and, you know, we knew he was going to average more steals than, than fouls or something, which is a stupid stat, which we mentioned the other week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's, let's leave the MVP alone for a little while. Uh, but we'll stay with small forwards, seeing as that's where we just were. Um, rumors last week flying around. I know Joe's keen to talk about this. Gordon Hayward as a player option this summer with the Jazz likely going to opt out and give up his 60 million in exchange for what's got to be close to a max salary join the Guildford um, Heat he, so yeah so <laughs> the, the suggestion is he's going to go and join the Miami Heat although the rumours anyway uh, who wants to dive onto that yeah um, I watched I read a, an interview of him and Zach Lowe and <clears throat> if you most NBA players want to win, but that was all he talked about. You know, he didn't talk about like, oh, I want to pay no income tax. I want to marry a model and that. He was just like, I want to go and win a championship. And no disrespect to the Jazz. Are the Jazz ever going to beat the Warriors in that in the West or the Spurs or even the Rockets? I'm not sure myself. So it doesn't surprise me that if he that he might leave. Um, I'm looking at. <laughs> I'm looking at the Heat matchup. I quite like it. I think he'd be a good fit with Dragic and Whiteside and Spolstra. I think that's a legit big three in the uh, Eastern Conference. But for the Jazz, I mean, they they need to have a good playoffs. You know, it's not... Because this is their first playoff appearance, I think, since 2012 when they got swept by the Spurs. Yeah. And they had, like, Devin Harris and Al Jefferson in that team. So they've come quite a long way since then. But I think if they get tossed in the first round by the Clippers or the Rockets, whoever they play, I think he's going to go. I really do. I think they need to be... They don't need to win it, but I think they need to get through the first round and give a competitive second round performance, or he's going to walk. I think it's a a difficult position to be in for Utah, because yes, the West is tough right now, but this is a, a young team, barring George Hill, who's also a free agent this this summer. This is a young core who could, in theory, challenge in sort of three or four years' time, whereas the window of opportunity for for other powerhouses, notwithstanding the Spurs, who just seem to be immortal, um, <laughs> you know, they they, I I think it, this is this is a really tough decision for him because right now I would say that long term success wise, the Jazz are more primed for success than Miami, but they just don't have the beaches. It's, uh, you know, if, he go, if he goes to Miami, I think that that doesn't necessarily sort of back up what he's been saying about winning. Yeah, Pat Riley knows how to win. Yeah, Spolstra knows how to win. But if he if he if he wants to leave the Jazz and he wants to go to a team where he can compete, it's Boston for me. Yeah, it has, it has to be Boston. But but then you factor in what do they do with Jay Crowder? 
well, Jay Crowder's on a tiny contract. They could they could get rid of him, but feasibly they could also keep him. Yeah, the thing that concerns me about that, though, is uh, is this Celtics team built for the postseason? I mean, Brad Stevens gets a lot of love, and to be fair, he's a good coach. He's never won a playoff series. He And there's been a lot of coaches who are like that, who are great regular season coaches. We've got no... We got no record to back up that Brad Stevens might be able to get this team to win. You know, we're just kind of going off a lot of ifs and buts. Whereas I think Miami is a more certain thing. It, but this Celtics team is is still essentially just four years into a rebuild, three years into a rebuild, and 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 ahead of schedule. So I think they they no one has expected them to win until perhaps now. No, the biggest difference here is the, the the level and the quality of the conferences. The quality of the Eastern Conference, certainly if you look at the playoff win loss ratio this year, is lower than it was last year. I mean, I'll just put it in some perspective using the Utah Jazz. Like the Celtics are fifty and twenty seven this season. The Jazz, as it stands, are forty seven and thirty. Like they're almost as good as the Boston Celtics, and they play in the Western Conference, and they're the fourth seed. Like I think you have to factor that in. Like if you're a player, your mentality's thinking, well, do I want to try and battle it out in the Western Conference where I'm going to go up against these juggernauts every night or do I want to play an Eastern Conference where you know LeBron James is probably really my only competition to get through anywhere certainly at this stage in the way the East is going but then you factor in the way the Jazz have played the last four years like they went in on a rebuild they got Quinn Snyder in Quinn, Quinn Snyder agreed to all the terms and conditions that they were going to ship out all the old dogs and bring in lots of young guns and try some international players and see if it worked and Walla, they're the fourth seed. Like it's worked. They have been the most progressive and fun team in terms of how to rebuild and like how to build a franchise properly. The last four or five years, they've been great to watch. They've added some really good talent. They went out and got some veterans this year, which was the perfect time to go out and get some veterans. George Hill came in, Joe Johnson came in, and they made a big impact. Rudy Gobert stepped up. He's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. He's been outstanding. Derek Favors is still really young, which freaks me out because it seems like he's been around forever. And Gordon Hayward has had an all-star level season. Rodney Hood's playing well. Like They've got so many good players. And even guys like Dan A. Exum and Joe Ingles, like the Aussies, are chipping in every night. And Joe's right. If they can get get at least out of the first round of the playoffs, then I, I can't see Gordon Hayward leaving. Like He loves Utah. He talks about the place all the time. And he's just a quiet guy. Like He's not the star that loves the limelight and loves the, the glitz and the glamour of it all. He seems perfectly content in Utah. And he's, let's face it, He's the guy, like he's the star. Unless Rudy Gobert has a, another phenomenal season and suddenly becomes, you know, the the next, the second coming of Kareem or something, then I don't know. But like he's the team leader, he leads in points, and he's just he's the guy in Utah. I, I can't I can't see him wanting to go anywhere else unless he just purely just just want to try and win a championship in the next like three years. But LeBron's in the East, so good luck with that. That's the thing, though. I I think if Miami can put a team together. Or, or Boston. I think if he goes to either of those teams, I think they could beat the Cavs. Because I don't, I don't rate Love and Irving as highly as I rated Wade and Bosch at all. I don't, they're not at the same level. Um, certainly Love and Bosch, Irving and Wade, maybe Irving will get close to that level. But Love is nowhere near as good as Chris Bosch was. Kyrie's given up playing defense this season. He pushed someone into the crowd during a game the other night. Like, genuinely, what? That's, but that's the thing. Like, I, look, I look at this Cavs team, and to me, they I think they're there for the taking. I really yeah, do. I know, yeah. I know people say, but they... Do you know what I mean? They don't play hard. I, I know that's some, like a Charles Barkley quote, but 
I look at them and I just think their efforts mix. They're kind of half arsing it at the moment. And I think a good team could really punish that. And I think I think we're gonna see a couple of stars move to the East for that reason. And it I, I think Hayward's gone from Utah. I actually think what you said a minute ago about him being the guy, I don't think he wants to be that guy. I think he'd rather go you know, if he goes to Boston he's with Al Horford, yeah. Isaiah Thomas. I don't forget they've got the next pick, which is gonna be a top three pick, so they're gonna get Markel Foltz or Lonzo or uh, Lonzo Ball. They'll get his dad as well, which is going to be great. Um, so there's there's a lot of potential there, and it, you know you go to Miami, you've got Dragic, you've got Whiteside, Dion Waiters, if you want to count him. So I just think there's more of an opportunity. He seems like a smart kid, you know. He wouldn't have got into Brad Stevens' Butler program because Brad Stevens said if you don't have good grades, you're not coming. It doesn't matter how good you are, which was quite refreshing for college ball. Because you have like the UNC coach who makes up that his players are, he makes up classes for them to attend and stuff like that. But he seems like a smart guy, so I, he must be looking at the East and thinking, I can go there and I can help take Brad Stevens or Eric Spolstra work with them to overthrow LeBron. Surely that's easier than overthrowing a Curry Clay Durant trio. But but if if he's so obsessed with winning, like he appeared to be from that interview, why would he want to take the easy route? Yeah, Why would you yeah. want to taint that win by by taking the softer approach? But you know what I mean. If like if people are that obsessed with winning, they should want to compete against everyone every night. And like I, I'm not going to. If he goes to Boston, that's that's his prerogative. I don't, I've got no issue with it. Um, I think I think one side that we need to look at as well uh, is is if he does leave. What are the Jazz going to do? Because that's going to—I think that's going to really. Just, yeah, that stops just, up their system completely. Yeah, that they're going to really struggle. You know, you look at. Let's face it, Utah is not exactly a free agency destination. So <laughs> nope. they're going to have. <laughs> I think it was um, someone was saying that when they play, like there is literally nothing open after half past eight, nine o'clock in the evening. It's just so like when they try and get food afterwards, it, you know, there's nothing. Um, so if you look at the small forwards that they're going to, that are sort of free agents this summer, if he does go, there's it's, it's really sort of limited in in who they could get. I mean, obviously they're not going to get not going to get Durant. He's <laughs> come on now. Uh, Gallinari, can you see him going there? Otto Porter's a restricted free agent, so he won't be going anywhere. Iguodala. and then you're down to Rudy Gay and PJ Tucker. So oh god, don't don't put Rudy Gay there. That would be, br- be brutal. It's okay exactly. though, because Rudy Gay was on the board of the Orlando Magic thing that came up, which we'll mention in a minute. So yeah, yeah we're, we're working that. our way there. <laughs> That's the thing. If he goes, like, I know whenever a big player leaves, you're kind of screwed, but they're really screwed because if you look at like the the offensive percentile stats, that's me being a nerd there. But if you look at them, he scores well. He's not spectacular in any area but he's very consistent in transition pick and roll even iso he can do everything so he's kind of like the jack of all trades guy in that team i know that's me underrating him a bit but he does everything for that offense if they lose him quinn snyder would have to completely redesign the entire system because they wouldn't have that player to come in and do the same kind of thing so they best hope they have a good playoffs because i think he's out of there if they kind of get embarrassed yeah, the only other thing is if he leaves, and I think they'll just have to fill it with someone who's a like-minded 
is going to kind of fit in. He doesn't necessarily need to be as good as Gordon Hayward. I mean, Gordon Hayward shoots 40%, like, just general. Like, he's an incredible... He's an absolute weapon. If he ended up in Boston, then I think the Eastern Conference certainly needs to freak out. But they're the best defense in the NBA, the, the Utah Jazz, and they, they, they've been pretty close to it the last few years. And Gobert and Favors are phenomenal, and Rodney, Rodney Hood's turned out to be a, a hell of a young guard as well. So... Uh, it, if he leaves, it's not a complete disaster because there's still at least three guys on that team in that starting lineup who are who are great. But you know, they can't afford to lose Hayward. They can't afford to can't afford to lose George Hill either because he's been a revelation for them this year. And him and Joe Johnson have been the guys who have really kicked it into this team. Like you know, these are the veterans that the, someone like the Timberwolves needed to come in and go. Look, you guys are so talented. Just put it all together. And I did the I wrote the um the preview for the Utah Jazz in our guide and. I had them finishing fourth, and that's where they've ended up, which is pretty cool um, to see the, the like the progressive development from these guys, and to to have Quinn Snyder, who's an international coach, come in and, and do that with international players, and they're a really nice, well-run team. And like you know, if you're looking for an NBA team to support at the moment, you got no you know, you've got no previous information. Like the Jazz are a pretty fun one to watch, and yeah, but it, it, Gordon Hayward's going to be a huge question mark hanging over them, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about it a lot more if and when it does happen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he will. So he he could end up in Miami, and if he does, he's going to be not very far from one of the franchises that are going through a bit of a tough time at the minute. So uh, we're going to move over to the Orlando Magic, and uh, what is going on there? Well, I don't know where to begin. Um, <laughs> Can we explain the the whole controversy post thing first? That it's just hilarious. sure. Okay. Yeah, go with that first <laughs> to give us some That's context. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure people will have heard of it uh, by now, but but if not, basically today um, there was a picture released on Twitter um, by the agent of rookie wing player Patrico Garino, who joined the team earlier today. And it's a picture, you know, they do them in football and that, of a smiling guy in some kind of dodgy designer T-shirt signing a, a contract. <laughs> and in the background there's a nice whiteboard... Um, <laughs> With a huge list of names, <laughs> hybrid trade and hybrid free agency players that the uh, the Magic are potentially looking at, uh, and then as, lo- as well as special bigs. Um, so basically, well, that's what quote, that says. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I assume it says that. To 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 quote uh, our, our good friend Jamie, um, it's it's the GM equivalent of forgetting to clear your browser history. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're essentially what we're looking at is is. The, the the summer plans for the magic, which um, Rob Hennigan, uh, he's not having is, a good time, is, is he? Well, no, he he's basically said that he's tried to he's tried to throw water on the fire and it hasn't really worked. <laughs> he's just saying like, oh well, no, that's just some ideas we had. Uh, simply listing options, including some of the some of which other teams have inquired about, and they're not indicative of plans. They that seems like a really weak defense to me, and basically saying. Uh, I, I messed up. We probably shouldn't have done what we did, um, or we should have had some sort of better way of not letting it leaked out into the, into the public. So let's have let's have a chat then. The magic seems to be in, in complete disarray anyway. Before we got to this, um, how how long's Hennigan got left before they finally realise they need to move on? The problem is. And I'm going to bring up the board again. My favourite part of that board <laughs> was the fact that Tobias Harris was on it. And they gave up Tobias Harris yeah. for Brandon Jennings <laughs> and Ersan Ilyasova. Brandon Jennings is is the third choice point guard for the Wizards now. And Ilyasova, to be fair to him, is a decent player. But essentially, 
He gave up Tobias Harris for nothing, and he wants him back. That pretty much sums up the last four years for the Orlando Magic. They have just made bad move after bad move. Mario Hazonia, I know Thomas is going to hate him for that. He looks like a draft bust. I mean, they've bl- they blew that pick. Alfred Payton. You've answered one of my one of my questions here for you. Was are we ready to say Hazonia's a bust? <laughs> and, uh, yep. Okay. There you go. Joe's called it already. Uh, but I agree. Yeah, he's, he's looking like a bust. Carry on. That that Ibaka trade they gave up Sabonis who out in Oklahoma City actually looks quite good. Yeah, Sabonis, he's a good one player, of the yeah. few good thing, fantastic defender, and he's extending his range. Ibaka's not on the team anymore, so I think I I, I should have found the tweet before we came on the pod. But someone listed a bunch of assets uh, that Hennigan that Hennigan inherited, and he's they worked out he turned it into Terence Ross, um, Jeff Green. And some guys in the D League. So he's essentially, yeah, he's really brought this roster down to bare bones. There's some good players on here, but there's not enough. You know, there's there's too many sort of what ifs, too many inconsistent players. Jeff Green, probably the most inconsistent player in the league. They are just a disaster. And I've got a question: Why Frank Vogel took that job? He thought he could save Vucevic. That's what it was. Yeah. It kind of it kind of makes you empathise with Scott Brooks as well, who after a year went, hey, I can't deal with this. See you later. <laughs> it's it's weird. Um, I don't know if any of you guys noticed on the board as well. Uh, quite far down on yeah, the left, yeah, I'm reading it now. Sarich, <laughs> yeah, brackets for, for AG. AG. <laughs> um, so Aaron Gordon then. <laughs> that's, that's never that's happening. Nice finding out that you uh you might you might no longer be wanted, but well not not wanted, yeah. but uh, it's it's a mess. Tony Parker's mess. on this list as well. Like there's some crazy like names on here that you'd just be like. Nah, that's really? got to be Jabari, surely. Is it Hybrid Jabari? Trey, it's got to be Jabari because they, yeah, they're not afraid of guys with injury. Parsons is two names above that. Yeah, Lance Stevenson's on here as well. Oh my god, because it, it's because they're hybrids. It's got to be like a, a player who can probably play more than one position, and, and I don't think Tony will be able to play more than no. half yeah. a position much longer. They, they drafted Saric though. They traded him. Yeah. So that's another just strange. <laughs> Odd franchise. So, I, I, to be honest, that board, they're going after the right kind of player. But the problem is now that everyone knows they're going after those players. So, let's say Memf- the Memphis GM now, if he gets a call, he's going to like try and... Chandler Parsons. <laughs> yeah, he's going he's gonna to try and fleece them because he goes, I know you're desperate for a hybrid wing player who can defend the three and the four. So, it's a disaster this i think it's going under the radar it's not this is this is like a real big breach of trip because now everyone knows what they want to do and it's going to take and you've got to remember they're picking quite high in the draft as well so so let's say i don't know let's say someone goes up let's say the kings are ahead of the magic in the lottery and someone really wants josh jackson who's like a small forward powerful he looks kind of like a draymond green type player so people are going to try and trade up above the magic because they know what they're going after. So this is this is, honestly is quite big, I think. Yeah, I, I think it is too. Uh, I'd, I'd love it though if it's just like some really late April Fool's prank and they've actually got another board the other side of the camera yeah. and their real targets. So, Kevin, um, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but the magic at the minute, if 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 all goes to if all goes to plan, uh, they're, they're expected to have probably the uh, the fifth seed in the draft, I believe. That's the best odds based on their record at the minute. Uh, 
using the website Matt mentioned the other day, tankathon.com. Um, and they can't get lower than seventh. And so they should be able to pick up someone decent in the draft. But do you reckon do you reckon this is sort of the writings on the wall for the, the current GM and, and management team? Do you think they need to clear house and, and restart? I know I say about clearing house on front offices quite a lot on here. <laughs> um but it, it seems to me that this franchise is being mismanaged quite severely. It has been for a number of years, though. You know, it kind of you could you could trace it back to the Dwight Howard days when they thought, yeah, we'll stick with Howard even though he's on the last year of his contract. We'll get rid of Van Gundy. Who's, I know we criticised him last week. He's a, he was a decent coach at the time, and they got rid of him. And since then, they've just drafted badly. I feel for Nick Vucevic because I think he's a really good player. And he's kind of just buried on this team. Evan Fournier as well. They've got a couple of pieces, but it's my same problem with Detroit. A Vucevic and Fournier players you want leading a team. I'm not sure they are. I think they're players you want as your number two and three options. And that's the thing. A lot of NBA teams are looking to find that number one guy. They thought they had it in Hazonia. He doesn't look like he's going to be that. So they've got a clear house. I hope they keep Frank Vogel. He's a good coach. Uh, did a great job in Indiana, but they they could honestly, they could release every player on that roster and no one would be able to go, that's, yeah, that's terrible. Because there's just a lack of talent there. No, I'd, I'd agree. It's uh, it's not, certainly not a magical time in the land of Disney. No, um, the, the last time worth... they had a winning season was 2011 to 12 as well, which is nuts because Stan Van Gundy has retired and come back since then. <laughs> Or taking a break and come back since then, I should say. Right. You got anything else you want to add on that one, or should we move on to some listener questions? No, they just suck. They suck, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so we uh, we asked, and you obliged once again. Um, let's go straight to Alexander Cole. Uh, can you talk about the rise of Portland, and have they secured the eighth seed, uh, Nurkic trade, and what it meant to them, and playoffs? And then he's also sent a follow-up message. Can we also mention how much... Uh, give a shout-out to the chief, Alfaro Camino, for his performance last night, <laughs> uh, where he had 27-5 and five against Joe's Timberwolves. Um, it ain't going to matter. He's going to be on the Orlando Magic next year. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's on the list of He's targets. on the list. <laughs> he's on the list. Um, for, for me, for the Blake, I know it's great that they're in the, the chase for the eighth seed and they've got the advantage over uh, the Nuggets at the minute. It still seems to me, still feels that this season's been an absolute epic fail. Uh, I had them down as the fourth seed in the preseason predictions based on their performance last year. Last year, I probably could have accepted if they had a, a, a terrible lottery-bound season, but they they got my hopes up and I thought they were they were going to sort of move on this year. And they, I just I'm just so upset they've ploughed so much money into. Uh, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, and Myers Leonard, and then had to rely on a mid-season trade for a guy on a rookie contract to sort of bail them out. I think I think Nurkic has been fantastic. He has uh, bailed them out literally. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's fractured his leg now, so he's out for at, li- at least two weeks. I was like, he's fractured his leg and he's only out for two weeks. That sounds yeah, but he's Bosnian, <laughs> mate. So he's uh, yeah, tough. yeah, he's, he's the Bosnian <laughs> beast. Um, uh, they've had they've had a good month, Lillard been player of the month stops coach of the month but if they, if they make the playoffs great but to me they should have had a home court advantage in round one at least and, and I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not happy do we want them to make the playoffs now that Nurkic is out for two weeks no no I was saying this to a guy yesterday he's a Portland fan who follows me and I said 
I mean this respectfully, Mike, because I'm not in a position to slag off anyone's team. <laughs> oh, no, team. go for it. I know, I know how bad this team is. But wow. I I think Denver would have been a, a tougher matchup for the Warriors just because of the nature of their offense. It's yeah. kind of... I, I, I meant this respectfully. Again, I'm, I'm not in a position to slag off anyone's team. I called Portland a pound shop version of the Warriors because you are. You're built the same way. <laughs> yeah, you're no, built, I agree. You're built on two very offensive-minded guards, the Warriors guards can defend a bit, but you're kind of you're the same team as them, but a lot kind of a lot. Whereas Denver, the the Jokic threat is something that the Warriors don't really have the personnel to deal with. So I'm a little bit disappointed Portland have sneaked in. I'm also disappointed on your behalf as well because I I think if there's an eighth seed, I think people can look at this. There are going to be people who be people who look at this as a success. Just because they made the playoffs ahead of the Nuggets, the the Mavericks, the Pelicans, but you've kind of just you've snuck in because Denver don't coach defense. You've well, not annoyed. really had a great season. I'm just annoyed because I put money on Terry Stotts to be coach of the year, and that ain't happening now. That that just isn't happening. Yeah, my my uh, my two my two takes on the first podcast were D'Antoni and Brooks, and I didn't put money on either of them. Which I'm really annoyed about. Well, I, I I I sneakily put some money on Damian Lillard for MVP, and that didn't work out very well at all either. So. Oh, but you should have cashed out in November. <laughs> you can't cash out on NBA trades. It's really annoying. Like seriously, sports betting companies in this country, you're missing out. Just sort yourselves out of it. I know, like games are at like three in the morning, but there are some people who watch them. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We we covered the next question from from Alex, which was about the Magic and their off season plans. Uh, they suck. Yeah, we there we go. Pretty well. <laughs> um, Matt Soto, uh, how far are the Lakers from a championship? I say three years uh, with PG thirteen. Does Matt Does Matt Soto know something that we don't? Has he got inside the knowledge of the Indiana Pacers and the Lakers or something? Has he been reading Magic Johnson's emails? Well, well, no. There's 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 strong rumours that. PG wants to go there. Well, he wants, bit, well, he wants he, out of yeah. Indiana, doesn't he? He's in LA. Yeah, guy. and he, he's he's. There's been leaked stories that he wants to go to LA. Like, like it has hometown, to be a tra- has to be a trade, doesn't it? Yeah, it'll be a signing trade. You probably have to yeah. give up Ingram. I yeah, would imagine. Which, or Clarks, Ingram and Clarkson, maybe. I don't like. You know, everyone knows me. I'm a Lakers fan. Like, it's kind of difficult not to have a, a, a non-biased opinion on this, but like. I get like Paul Paul George is incredible. Like he could have had an MVP season. Like I thought the Pacers were really well set out this year. It just has not worked out at all and their coach is awful. Um But the Lakers are a work in progress and I know they what they're so obsessed with having this superstar, this guy who brings in, you know, shirt sales and whatnot, but but I'm not necessarily sure that Paul George would be the right fit, especially with the young talent that we've got, and especially if you have to give up Ingram and even Jordan Clarkson. Like Jordan Clarkson's been a fabulous pick considering he was a late second round draft pick like he's been phenomenal and arguably he's a bit more consistent in terms of his gameplay than um than D'Angelo Russell is but like I don't think I'm like from what I've seen from Brandon Ingram I know loads of people have wrote him off this year but the last sort of certainly since Christmas he's been really really good and he's showed signs of what he can be in the future now it's obviously a big what if but Jimmy Butler's also rumoured to be available in trades this year, and I'd probably prefer Jimmy because I think Jimmy could just slot in, but then I'm not too sure. You, you mean we've got a high pick, so I think the pick's going either way, but I'm not too. I, I was quite high on having Paul George. Like, I've been pretty 
convinced the last few years that he would end up in LA but now that I look at the team and the way the team's worked out and the way some of the players have worked out like I wouldn't want to give up Julius, Julius Randle uh, Nance Jr. I think has been really really good I think a lot of teams are going to be looking out for him this year I think he's a free age restricted free agent um, he's on the magic's list yeah he's in trouble then. he's doomed <laughs> he's on the magic's list um but yeah, I don't know. Like three I, years, I, three years I, against the Warriors. Th- three years coincides and the with Celtics free agency. Actually, that's crazy. I'm I'm with you on this. I wouldn't give up the first round pick for Paul George. No. I'd much rather I'd much rather invest in draft capital than stars. I think because if your best player is Paul George, are you realistically going to win the Western Conference? Probably no, but, not. No, but I think. Probably- I think you've got better you would chance need two, two other players very close to his skill skill level or, or impact level rather yeah and that's the thing with with Palinka's GM they I, I do think that sort of Lakers allure is going to come back because he's very very well connected around the league I don't think I'm, Magic Magic Johnson isn't the good guy there I think Palinka's the one who's going to be able to bring work, in these yeah. players but George is I don't even think George if you, let's say you magically put Paul George in, in this Lakers team I don't even think you're a playoff team with him. No, we're really still don't. really young. We're like three years yeah. off any like a playoffs, let alone three years away from having a play a, a, a playoffs a championship with Paul George. Like we're we're experiencing the same thing at Minnesota, though. You know, a couple of our fans want us to go after someone like JJ Redick, and I just said, by the time the rest of our players get good, JJ Redick will be like forty. So you know, there's no point adding a player like that. I think the Lakers have got to invest in their young players. And this draft has got a lot of good guards. So I'm interested to see what you do with Clarkson and Russell if you get someone like Lonzo Ball in. Yeah. I think they move on from Russell. I th- I yeah, think, uh, yeah. Uh, he he's 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 not bad, but he's not a franchise changer. He's not taking advantage of the opportunities he's, he's not had what we thought to sort of stamp his, his his name on the franchise. I reckon if they if there's if if these guards, you know, maybe keeping along for a season, see how long, how sorry, how well and how big an impact the the rookie guards have. But I I think he's he's gone. Well, he's better than Jalil Okafor, so there's that. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. With you. Okay. I I think I mentioned D'Angelo Russell last week or the week before, whenever it was. Like, like of all the Lakers, all the young Lakers players, like I generally was expecting the most from him this season, and I haven't. I've seen more consistency from Clarkson and Julius Randle than from D'Angelo Russell. Like, D'Angelo Russell has these sparks where he's absolutely brilliant offensively, but then he doesn't like he's he's got such length as well. Like he's a, like physical, like as a specimen, he's everything you want from a modern day twenty first century point guard, but he just doesn't seem to get it all together. Like. I don't know. Like, I'd probably even take someone like Frank Mason the third in the draft over him in the moment. And Frank Mason the third is probably going to be a second round pick. Like, D'Angelo is a huge question mark. But what is the value for D'Angelo, judging by the fact that he's played two seasons and people kind of know what they're going to get? Like, are you going to trade D'Angelo Russell for Paul George and a pick? Or like, that's that's crazy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. His market value is not going to be particularly great. The only thing you can really hope for is that if he if he sort of takes a step up next year, that might inflate a little. Whilst a a rookie is then sort of you know brought on slowly, like they've done with. See, this year people have slated Ingram, like you mentioned a minute ago, but I think that's just because the Lakers are pacing them. They're trying to keep. LA is a tough market to 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 fail in. Uh, you don't want to put that responsibility on someone too young. I think it's a sensible decision. I, th- I just feel like they're bringing him along slowly. 
Yeah, if Ronald Test remember. says he's going to be good, he's going to be good. <laughs> he's, he's 19. Like he was, he's very raw. He's, and he's, he's tiny. He's, he is. So it's going like, to take time for him to build the physical muscle-wise. frame. <laughs> but also, you, see, you said that the same way someone talks about like a cat or, or yeah, a puppy no, or something. Yeah, he's no, I, I meant like muscle. Like he literally, <laughs> like the, everyone was going on about the Kevin Durant, like you know, comparison being crazy. But go back and watch KD's footage when he was in the, with the, the Seattle Sonics, like. He was a weedy guy the first few years, and then he bulked out and he started dominating people. And yeah, like the, the kid's still young. That's why I think you've got to, if you're trading anyone, you're not trading him. Yeah, or, no, I, or I, think, I think that's. <laughs> yeah, Randall's been fantastic, in my opinion. I think he's he's better than people thought he would be, and I think he's still underrated. Yeah, he had the um, worst at first season of any NBA player as well. Like opening night to go, you know, break your leg or whatever it was. It's just uh Yeah, grim. Okay, next question. Simon Noble. Demarcus Cousins is still acting like a big baby. <laughs> just where will he be happy, if anywhere? I, th- I think he is happy in New Orleans. I think he likes being there with Davis. They're clearly good friends. Obviously, this year it's not going to happen. I, I said that when the trade was made. They don't have the surrounding pieces to to make that experiment work yet. But I, I think Cousins is going to be happy in New Orleans. I think I think they might keep Alvin Gentry because it seems so far that Alvin Gentry has managed to keep him under wraps. I know it's only been a couple of months, but if Cousins isn't happy, you know, he's one of those people who lets you know. He's not like sneaky or anything. He, you know, look what he tweeted about George Carl. So, I think I think he'll be fine in New Orleans. I think they're going to turn that round. Yeah, well, he's, he's so he's been there sixteen games. Uh, they've won nine of them. Two of those wins he didn't play in. So I don't know how well <laughs> the experiment's going to turn out. But I think I think for for Cousins, it's um, like to absolutely butcher. Uh, that phrase from Marvel's Uncle Ben. I, I think with great winning comes great happiness. I think he's only going to be happy if he's on a, a winning roster. They need perimeter defenders. Like, they need to go out this season and just get perimeter defenders because they like trying to score against them is is difficult at the best of times. But they can't they can't close out shooters and the guys they've got there certainly can't close out shooters. I think if you put some good solid defensive perimeter players on this team. Then at least make them like you know specialize them in one area like the Jazz. Go for the you know you're going to be one of the really good defensive teams in the league. I think they've got to make their mind up as to what they do because they're not going to run the court and, sp- and pace and space and do all that with with these two because you know it's going to be like watching two elephants trying to chase mice around. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, last question from. Mac Buckets. Uh, sorry, a little late, but what are your opinions on D Rose? Will anybody sign him? I've got a single word answer to this: Sacramento. <laughs> oh, I think I think they're the only franchise stupid enough to go and throw money at him. If if we throw money at Derek Rose, I am just gonna be smash your head on the table. Yeah, I mean, Tom Thibodeau is. I like what he's done so far, but if he did that. You know, as far as I'm concerned, his head should be on the chopping block if he does that. <laughs> I, I remember a couple of months ago, I was chatting to people and they were saying that, oh, R- Rose is better than Rubio. And I was just like, no, he's not. He, you know, nowhere near. And I'm glad that I'm glad that I've been proved right that over the couple of months. I, to be fair to him, he's not been atrocious this year, but it's again, it's, the, it's what we talk about on this podcast a lot. His offensive numbers are good, but are they good for the team? They're good for him. But does he really does he elevate a team anymore? I don't think he does. 
Same. This is my same problem with Rondo. He puts up good assist numbers and that, but it he takes too much away from other players. So I think he's going to struggle to get a starting job. Yeah, I think I'd agree. It's it's no one's. He he wants. Oh, a couple of months ago, he was saying how oh, we wanted a max contract, and I thought, well, that's that's already unrealistic. <laughs> and now he's done the meniscus in his left knee, and he's out again. He's just he's got. He's just his he, his body is 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 just let him down. It's a real shame, but I just I I, I can't see him being an impact player in this league ever again. Um, not unless he significantly changes the way he plays. There are quite and a lot of people jumping out and saying he should retire when that news broke as well on Twitter. It was quite brutal. I don't know whether it's just bitter Bulls fans or something, but um, yeah, there was quite he's a lot of people re- saying he should retire, but. He's not going to retire. Like he's got the biggest ego in the world. He's not walking away. No, and and to be fair, that like the earning window of NBA players, if you can still get a check, you can still gonna, you're still going to get a check. Like I, I can't see him walking away. He might not get the money he wants, but he'll maybe do like a a short term deal where he thinks he can can play himself back into a, a bigger contract later on. Um, but unless they, uh, maybe he can go and have the same surgery that Festus Azili just had the uh, the cadaver. <laughs> knee replacement things you know his his knees are, are <laughs> I'm trying to say something that's not going to be offensive there uh, his knees are, are shot so he might as well get them replaced by you know someone who's not using them anymore so if you look around the teams and you go who needs a point guard and who is desperate to need a point guard is the word you have to add onto the front of that like I don't know there's not Which really again, many yeah and it depends on Sacramento. His, his situation like does he want to go to a place and be the guy or is he happy to fit in because like I mentioned right at the start of the show like if he's willing to go and fit a system and be the guy you'd be mad not to go to the Spurs because you know it's going to work and yeah. you know you're going to win 50 games Do you, if I don't think the Spurs could afford him what they'd be willing to pay I know but you've got to be willing to make the sacrifice haven't you to, to challenge in the first place yeah, no, that'd be interesting. And he's like, not an MVP anymore. Sorry, Derek, but that's that's long gone. Like, are you going to get good, good contracts from middling teams in the NBA, or you're going to get a minor salary based contract on a great team in the NBA? Just depends whether he wants to win, doesn't it, and whether he's willing to win win as part of the unit rather than it being on his shoulders. Join the Dallas Mavericks, Which, then you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anyone got anything else they want to add? No, it's been it's been fun. Awesome, yeah. No, that's, it was a fun show actually. I, I enjoyed it. I, I wasn't wrong at the start, and no one managed to make anyone else cry, which is always good. Um, no, nah, we leave. <laughs> but that, anyway, we leave, uh, for, we leave the brutal beatings for off air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, you've been listening to the Double Clutch podcast. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Double Clutch UK. Uh, if you don't already, subscribe through iTunes or whichever uh, podcast service you use. And remember to give us a review where you can. It's always greatly appreciated. Uh, shout out to Hardwood Ventures, our friends Top North, who are Top North, Top North, who are. Uh, basically any basketball gear you you want or need they have it they've just come out with some i think they've got some north carolina stuff come through today i saw on my email uh in celebration of last night's victory it was last night yeah, wasn't it yeah, yeah i believe yeah, it, it was. was i'm not a college person days, but it was days are blurring into one for me <laughs> um and they've got some hardened stuff if you want to support matt and rep the mvp that he thinks is gonna get the award <laughs> um but other than that uh i've been mike miller uh You've been listening to the Double Clutch Podcast with Matt Wellington and Joe Hall, but we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.